Okay, Mr. Duke Lowry, we are uh, we are live, actually. How are you? Well, man, I am just peachy. I am dry up here in the high perch of Benton, Louisiana, so uh, <laughs> unlike South Louisiana right now. Yeah, I think they're getting a little bit of rain. Let's do a one-minute countdown, let everybody start getting on the show. Folks, we'll be right back. Make sure to like share, tag, text a friend, phone a friend, whatever, and let them know we're live and online. We'll be back in just about one minute. Okay, one minute countdown, we're back, and magically, we have about 24, 22 people watching. Well, we've got a great show tonight, don't we? I think we do. Uh, looks like we've got a pretty good guest that'll be on here in a second, but I think we probably have a little bit of explaining to do to everybody about this uh, little ad we've been running and that sort of thing on Facebook, so you want to kind of tee that up and for a second. Well, I will, I will tee that up. As you know, we are high achievers and, you know, we have uh, uh, sought to expand our realm of influence. My, how arrogant that sounds, but <laughs> <laughs> not that we have any influence anyway, but look, we just want to bring the facts and the truth to light. And, you know, while primarily we've been focused on just Bozier, it's kind of an impossible thing to, uh, not go beyond the realm of Bozier. In fact, you would agree that uh, a lot of issues are taking us to South Louisiana, uh, unfortunately, frequently to Baton Rouge, but we made a conscious decision that we're going to have to cover a few things outside of our wheelhouse, right? Yes, we did. And from a technical standpoint to kind of, it's going to seem a little confusing at, at first, folks, but I went ahead and scrambled and put together a Louisiana watch page and we're cross posting content. So that this same video is on Bossier watch and Louisiana watch right now live. And we're going to be kind of flipping the graphics back and forth, playing around. So don't let it throw you. Bossier watch is not going anywhere. We're just gonna try to keep it like we originally started, hyper-focused on Bossier area stuff. And then Louisiana Watch is gonna be more um, area-wide, statewide, and maybe even some national stuff. So don't let it throw you. We're Bossier Watch. Duke and I aren't going anywhere with this. We're just expanding and, and trying to use the viewers of Bossier Watch to help boost up Louisiana Watch here pretty quick over the next couple of weeks. All right, with all that said, hello, Brother Ed. Hello, Miss Ann. Hey, Rhonda and Debbie. Uh, Y'all make sure and comment. We're up to 34 folks. Duke, let's tell them what we've got going on tonight. Well, originally, yeah, we, we had a show. I mean, the, the subject matter and the guests that we're going to have, um, while we, we had plans to talk about this subject, but we also had other guests. We, we had the uh, Treasury Secretary, John Schroeder, who was going to come on. And we also had Senator Sharon Hewitt, but as life would have it, um, Murphy's law kicked in and there were some things that happened in South Louisiana that changed, uh, uh, even what we were going to do up here. And it, our next guest will probably be able to uh, tell us a little bit, uh, about what he knows about what's happening down there. But, uh, and it has to do with, flooding again, Rex. Yes, it does. And with that said, let's go ahead and magically flip our graphics over to Louisiana Watch. Ooh, you said you liked blue. How about that blue? 
I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like red, but I like blue too. All right, and folks, our website is not going yet. Um, the email address doesn't even work yet, and that's on me. I've got to get all that functioning. But uh, don't get thrown by anything. You're still on Bozier Watch. We're just trying out the new graphics and stuff like that. Let me show a little screen share. I'll tell you what. Um, let's go ahead. Do we want to go ahead and bring in, uh, bring in our guest? Yeah, we can, and uh, we can have him uh, add in about... Uh probably what you're going to share there and what maybe he might know. I'll bet he knows more than we know. Yeah, so let's bring in our guest. Let me get a little volume coming up here and let me flip over there. All right, Mr. Mike, can you hear us? I can hear you well. Ah, you sound great too. And you can see us, right? Yes, I can. That's always a good thing too. So how are you today? I'm doing great. We're a little bit wet here in South Louisiana, but uh, we're doing a lot better than our friends in Lake Charles and, and Baton Rouge. Uh, I live on the I-10 corridor there in Crowley, which is it's close to centrally located. Uh, Lafayette and Crowley are located right in the center of uh, Lake Charles and, and uh, Baton Rouge, and both those areas have really been flooded. Uh, we're we've been flooded, but not quite as bad as those folks. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some videos and clips. Uh, any idea about how much rain y'all have gotten down there? I know we've gotten several inches up here, but any idea how much down there? Lake Charles is uh, 12 to 12 to 15 inches. Wow. Uh, it's really wow. been hit hard. Uh, you know, we've had the uh, had a hundred year uh, hurricane and, uh, and cold weather uh, over the last years. Uh, we've really been put to the test. Uh, I guess that just means that this is a special place in God's creation. Uh, he, he's trying to make sure all the grass is watered for everybody, isn't he? That, that makes us tough. We'll, we'll, we're resilient. We're, we'll, we'll hang in there. And but Lake uh, Baton Rouge is shut down. Um, they've closed down all the uh, the public buildings and all. We we had planned to have a public service commission meeting there tomorrow, and uh, we've had to. Uh, we're going to be doing it on Zoom instead of uh, live. So uh, it tells you Baton Rouge is still having some problems with all the water. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and flip the screen here. Let me, if I lose your video, don't worry, I'll, I'll bring you right back. Yeah, there we go. Okay, that looks good. So that's a picture from, uh, who is that? Scotty Hunter with WAFB down there. That's Airline Drive. Um, yeah, y'all got quite a bit of water down there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I think that's uh, in Baton Rouge on Airline Highway there in Baton Rouge. Um, and and that was what we understood, that even the legislature, you know, had to uh, have a late start. All the committees had a late start. They were trying to reorganize, and uh, just everything was kind of up in the air down there. But so, Rex, we, we, we called Mike today and he was uh, gracious enough to come on and, and the subject that we kind of wanted to talk about and uh, was to reflect on. And it's kind of, I mean, it's definitely before my time and it was uh, before your time, I, I think is fair to say. And, and there's not a lot of folks that can, that I know of talk uh, historically about the, the, former governor, Buddy Romer, uh, who uh, passed this week. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I think historically he might have been one of the most significant governors we had. And, and uh, hopefully for a lot of reasons that uh, uh, Mike's going to share with us. Um, Mike, weren't, weren't you the chairman of the Republican Party kind of around the time he was the governor? And I, I know you had a lot of dealings with him uh, Tell us a little bit about the man. I mean, I never was fortunate enough to meet him, and and I think it's important people know what kind of man this this guy was. Well, one of the things that I I said about Buddy after I got to know him well was uh, if we had a job in Louisiana of the of the number one salesman for Louisiana that would promote this state, uh, Buddy was the most talented person that I've ever seen in that area. He uh, just very gifted, very, very smart guy. And uh, if we wanted to put somebody out to sell and promote Louisiana around the, the nation or the world, uh, Buddy would should have that job. But uh, 
I've got to know Buddy very well over the years. Uh, and I just, the uh, let me start from the finish of Bud's, Buddy's life. Uh, Buddy was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's very important to be said about him and his life. And uh, he's in eternal life right now with uh, in paradise, as they say. So, uh, but from that part, uh, I enjoyed getting to know Buddy uh, way back in the, uh, in the very early days of, uh, of his governorship, uh, back in uh, the year that Bill Clinton was elected president, uh, I gave, uh, was elected to the uh, Republican State Central Committee. In that year, uh, Buddy was uh, running for governor and, uh, and, uh, and I uh, was elected chairman of the Republican Party. And this would have been in 1994. And that's also the year that uh, Newt Gingrich constructed the uh, contract with America and uh, took back the uh, the Congress and the Republican Party really really took a step forward with Bill Clinton being president and at that same time Buddy Romer was running for governor and uh, the candidates the other candidates that were running were uh, were uh, a, a Democrat uh, African American by the name of Cleo Fields. And then uh, um, a man named uh, Mike Foster, who was a Democrat governor, who switched to uh, the Republican Party. And uh, Mike Foster wound up uh, defeating Buddy Romer in the in the primary. Those two Republicans against each other. And uh, Foster went into a runoff with uh, Cleo Fields and and won the governorship there. So uh, that was uh, some of my first dealings with. Uh, with uh, Buddy Romer, and uh, after that that era, uh, Buddy and I became uh, real good friends. Uh, so actually, uh, Buddy was a good friend at the time of uh, when Mike Foster was not that pleased with my chairmanship as, as head of the Republican Party. But as we went along, uh, that 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 drew Buddy and I closer together, and. Um, but he wound up, wound up going on to uh, being in the banking business and did real well. And uh, and I'm, I'm really sad to hear about his passing. Mike, you, you said that Buddy, when he, you know, a lot of people may or may not know that he was a congressman. But when he went to D.C., D.C. changed him, did, did it not? Well... If you go back that far, that I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Louisiana was a Democrat state, just like a lot of the other southern states, but they were very, very conservative. And uh, but things were changing politically, and uh, Buddy found himself being uh, a really uh, outcast as a Democrat and, and and being more like a Republican uh, at all times. And uh, that's back in the Ronald Reagan era, and then. Uh, Ronald Reagan was uh, president from 80 to 88, and then uh, George Bush, uh, the first Bush, came on as president and and uh, became good friends with Buddy. And uh, Buddy was a Democrat, but he was a staunch conservative here in the Shreveport, North Louisiana area, and uh, and he's very well well read. Uh, just a very God gave Buddy some special talents that uh, he doesn't necessarily give to all of us. So and. Uh, Buddy really stood out as as a leader, and uh, and and he knew that he needed to uh, join the Republican Party and leave the Democrat Party, which was becoming more liberal by the by the year. Yeah, it just seems like you know uh, uh, some Democrats switch parties just to get the votes, but you know the the little bit that I know about Mr. Buddy and all that, and you know from back during that era, he he truly really deep down was a Republican. He was just in the wrong party for many years and finally switched over. That's right. And the, uh, the Democrat party had changed a lot, uh, over, over the years and has moved more and more to the liberal left. Uh, and, uh, and buddy didn't, uh, he didn't want to continue in that path. So he, he, he changed and, and buddy was one of the, one of the, uh, a great step in what, today is a majority Republican Party in Louisiana. In fact, uh, 
we've always candidly said, and I, I deserve, I believe this report, people deserve this, uh, this honor. Uh, we've always said the Republican Party of Louisiana began in a phone booth in, in Shreveport, and, uh, and uh, we're still sticking with that, okay? So you guys, uh, y'all have a great history in, in the Republican Party of Louisiana there in Shreveport. Rex, I don't know if you can go ahead, Rex. Well, I was just going to say, um, uh, Mr. Mike, if you have one thing that you could, you know, maybe share with us about uh, Buddy that not a lot of people know, is there anything that, you know, you can think of off the top of your head that, you know, uh, again, something that not many people know, but but make him stand out as a as a good person? Well, there's so many things. Uh... Like I said, I would like to, sometime you look at different people like Buddy Romer, God gives us all different gifts and different talents. And, uh, you know, Buddy was, uh, he was in the school at Harvard at a very young age. He was just a really? very gifted, bright person. And uh, uh, I just, uh, I'd say the one thing that I, that stands out is, is his faith in God. And, uh, a lot of people don't think that a lot of politicians don't really have much faith in God or that they're all out on their own. But deep down, uh, Buddy was a uh, very devout uh, Christian and uh, and pleasing God with his life was one of the most important things to him that I, that I know about him. Yeah. We, we often say on this show that, you know, the difference between politician and statesman is a politician goes along to get along. A statesman does what he knows is right, you know, in his gut, in his heart, you know, regardless of the consequence. Is It seems to me that that's the, the description of this guy, right? It is. It is, Duke. Uh, anytime you, you, you have that many years of history of politics, uh, when you stand up for what you believe is right, you're gonna you're gonna have some problems and, uh, and some differences. And uh, we didn't always uh, see eye to eye on every issue. And so I'll tell you a, a, one more personal story about Buddy. Uh, way back in the early days, before the Republican Party is where it is today, uh, there were a lot of moral issues, and one of them was the pro-life issue, the abortion issue, and. Uh, Buddy was pro-life, and uh, and he worked with the, all the pro-life people, but there was some legislation put up that uh, would support, uh, you know, a stance against the, the Roe versus Wade uh, uh, Supreme Court order, and a lot of the folks here put together a program to oppose that, but it wasn't on, it wasn't constitutional, and uh, Buddy got caught up in the middle of that, and. Uh, and he got a few bad uh, marks because of his stance there. But Buddy was still pro-life. And uh, as, as time and history went on in, in Buddy's life, uh, the pro-life movement and the pro-life family got got behind Buddy and Buddy got behind them. And we all worked together. And today, uh, you know, Louisiana is strongly, strongly pro-life. And uh, Buddy's, Buddy was it's a part of that. His, his, his history is... It's going to be recorded as he was a strong pro-life, uh, talented uh, political leader that that served God and put God first in his life was a pro-life issue. Well, I've got a, a quick question and kind of shifting away from uh, Buddy for a second, but it, it was kind of back during his era as well. So um, Correct me if I'm wrong, I'm looking at Duke's notes here. Uh, Mr. Mike, you were chairman of the Republican Party during the Treen, Buddy Romer, and uh, First Edwards uh, era and all that. What was it to, like to be chairman of the Republican Party in a state that then seemed to be primarily Democratic? I mean, how were y'all able to, to build it into you know what we consider now where we're primarily Republican and primarily a red state. What was it like being in, I guess, the minority then, as far as political parties are concerned? Okay, well, just just to cover the history, uh, 
back in those early days, in the very early 90s, uh, Louisiana had about 300,000 Republicans. And uh, and it just, it was a control, it was a Democrat state. Uh, you had Huey Long, and then you had Edwin Evers era, and uh, then you had Dave Treen era for just a short time. But uh, we were really uh, fighting uh, for, for uh godly principles like the pro-life issue and then we also were with uh i was a businessman i had a successful business and i felt like uh the liberal government you know just putting too many taxes on us and taking away the opportunity of the of the working man and we uh, we ran our our agenda and our platform on that and uh with the uh with the help of the democrats going so liberal they were moving to the left uh in, in the fast lane, as far as uh, liberal government, and a lot of Democrat uh, conservatives were leaving the Democrat Party, coming over to uh, to the Republican Party. Uh, Mike Foster was a was a South Louisiana Repo- uh, Democrat uh, senator, and he switched parties to the Republican Party and ran as governor, and that was a big turning point. And that's the same year that uh, Newt Gingrich in Washington had the contract with America, in which made a big change in uh, what was going on in Washington and uh, pulled Bill Clinton to the middle of the road uh, there in D.C. But that was a, that started a Republican movement. That The year that uh, Mike Foster was elected governor, we had uh, six Republican senators out of 39, six senators out of 39 Republicans. And we went from six to 14 senators that year. Many of you listeners would probably remember that's the year that uh, Tommy Casanova here from Crowley area was elected senator in my area and I helped, uh, I helped in his campaign. At that time, there were 105 uh, House members which there were only 18 Republicans and out of out of 105. Today, they're like, uh, I think we have 68, 69, it's close to seven. We have a tremendous majority in the House and in the Senate, I think there are like 26 or seven senators. So those are the things that have changed. Uh, Louisiana has moved over by the, with the help of the Democrat Party going so liberal, uh, it's, it's just, uh, it's just been a boost to us. And, and today, uh, as Republicans, now our job is to try to make sure that all our Republicans stay conservative and don't go to the middle of the road and compromise uh, with the liberal element. Oh, I, I agree 100%. Let me, I'm going to uh, uh, put one comment up here. Let me do this real quick, Duke. Um, Kenneth Jenkins put up a comment. He said, just imagine Bill Clinton is conservative compared to Democrats now. That's that's saying something. They've gone way to the left. Yeah, they have. They have. Mr. Mike, I was going to, you know, before the show when you and I were talking and you and I were kind of talking about the future of the party and the future of politics in Louisiana, and we, we briefly talked about, you know, closed and open party primaries. You know, that's a... a a little bit of a uh, debate going on about that right now. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I've uh, I've been an advocate of closed primaries at term limits for for several years now. At one time back in the uh, back in the nineties, uh, we fared better with an open primary. Now that we have a majority or, or we're an equal uh, force with the uh, with the other parties, uh, and I might point out that about a third of Louisiana is Democrat, about a third of Louisiana is uh, no party, and about a third of Louisiana is, is Republican. But most of the no party folks uh, vote conservative uh, like most of the Republicans. They move back and forth somewhat, but uh, we basically have a, uh, a majority of uh, conservatives here in Louisiana. If you look at the uh, the Donald Trump vote, uh, we got about 60% of Louisiana's is voting conservative. And I think it's uh, for the good of every voting citizen in Louisiana, every citizen in Louisiana, uh, we'll be a lot better off if we divide up and uh, choose uh, 
a conservative against a, and choose a liberal and uh, put those two in the in the voting booth and, and see which one will win. Uh, I think we'll we'll bring out a better Democrat and a better Republican when we do that. And uh, that's that's the way I see it is uh, from what I've learned in 30 years of Republican leadership. And because here's one thing about uh, we should remember as uh, whether we're Republicans or Democrats or, or independents, uh, that uh, God loves all of us and he's he's not a one party or another. He just wants to have his will and his way in, in what he created. And so I think uh, that's, that's going to help us uh, get together and, and put together uh, a God-fearing Democrat and a God-fearing Republican in, 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 a, in, in a race to see who's going to be the leader of, of Louisiana. And I think we'll, that's what my hope and prayer is for our next governor's race. Uh, let me put up another question real quick here. Let's see. And so this kind of uh, relates to that. This is from Terry Adams. Um, Terry says, um, and this is referring to you, Mr. Mike, uh, what is his take on the direction of the state as it stands now with leadership of the current administration? So do you have any, any feedback for us on, you know, how you think the state's going now under John Bell Edwards or, you know, good, bad, indifferent? Well, of course, John Bell's in his last four-year term. He's, he's on his way out. Uh, I think everybody that's political is looking ahead for what's going to happen uh, in uh, 23. And uh, everybody's tooling up and getting ready. We, you know, the Republicans are, are boss in, in, uh, in Baton Rouge as far as our legislature. And the governor has to uh, has to work with all those folks uh, to try to get something in the middle of the road. Uh, but it, in Louisiana, the governor still has so much power, no matter what the legislature says or does. So uh, we're still going to be be uh, dealing with that. But the governor still has has a good checks and balance with our legislature. We just need to make sure our legislators toe the line and and. Uh, and support conservative values and ideas. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Well, Mr. Mike, we we are, are gracious for your time to uh, comment and, and tell us a little bit about your experience with Buddy Romer and the type person that he was and, you know, that uh, he was a God-fearing man. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I'd have had the uh, opportunity to meet him. Um, I think he would have really been an interesting guy. And my take is that he, he might actually be the guy that, that started the change in Louisiana. Um, th that might be putting it in simple terms, but I think it might could lay at his feet. Wouldn't you think? I think you've, you've got a very good point there. And, uh, and I think, <laughs> I have, I have a, haven't thought it in that way, but uh, Buddy Romer switched from Republican to, to from Democrat to Republican as governor. And when you look back at history, uh, that 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 could very well be said that, that of one of his legacies. Well, that's a great legacy for him to leave us with. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, he's he's a good North Louisiana Shreveport boy, and. Uh, and uh, God, God used him well, and, uh, and I know now that he's uh, he's in paradise, uh, in a much better place than than America or any place in the world. Amen to that, well, Mr. Mike. I'd like to also express my appreciation for you coming on, and it was kind of last minute, and and uh, you know taking your time out and and getting set up and on the show, and uh, it, it's been nice to meet you, even though it's virtually. Well, look, Louisiana is an important part of a. Uh, of our great state. Uh, I was born and raised in Gina, so I feel like um, I'm not that far from that area, even though I'm in Crowley now. But uh, uh, good luck with your program. And uh, your your people there are a very important part of our history and, and where we're going to go with our future. And uh, I appreciate your program and, and wish you well with it. Yes, sir. Thank you. And you're welcome on anytime. Thank you, Mr. Okay. Mike. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Well, that was a great interview. Yeah, went really well uh, from a technical standpoint and from a content and political standpoint. Went great. I love hearing historical stories, you know, about how, where we were and, and how we have gotten to where we are today. I mean, it's, you have to know where you come from to know where you're going. And, uh, I don't know that I just, that, that is amazing. I, I would have liked to have asked him and I don't know, I didn't feel right about asking him, but you know, maybe a little bit about the history with Jim Leslie. Um, you know, I don't know if he, he may not have known that story right. or, or any of that, but, uh, anyway, All right. where else, uh, where else <laughs> are we going to go tonight? All Plain right, dealing? I know Plain Dealing's waiting on pins and needles. Well, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's, and so again, folks, don't get confused. I'm going to switch graphics. We're going to kick back over to Bozier watch mode for a few minutes. And yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about plain dealing. So for any of the plain dealing folks that are that are kind of watching, you may want to you know tag your plain dealing friends that didn't want to hear the state stuff, and let them know that um, you guys are up in the queue coming up. So let's switch this background over there. There we go. Presto, we're back to Bowser Watch. How about that? How about that? Uh, I'll tell you what, and this may kind of actually lead into what we're going to talk about. Kenneth Jenkins has a comment. Uh, let me share that out. Hold on. Uh, let me just, and of course, I blanked you out again. Hold on a second. There. No, that's okay. Come back. Come back, Duke. All right. Uh, Kenneth Jenkins says, you may have already talked about this, but are water providers constantly raising prices despite the fact that the quality of water they are providing is getting worse? Hmm. Um, now that's an interesting post because as you may recall, I, I remember it not long ago in talking about in the context of Bossier City and Plain Dealing, um, you know, what, uh, let's see, what, what was her name? They had the movie, uh, Brockovich, Aaron, Aaron Brockovich. Yes. Um, Remember, she was tuned in to Bossier City and something to do with the water tests and all that not long ago. Yeah, was, and, it, was uh, it the brain-eating amoeba or what? I forget what it was. Yeah, they were having a lot of bad water tests and such, and she was weighing into somehow or another to the Bossier water system issues. And, you know, we've had some reports about plain dealing water. I mean, yes. well, uh, actually, I'd say we've had a lot of reports about plain dealing water. <laughs> I, I was I was being nice. And, you know, somebody, well, I mean, what what is it? Mark Smith, the anonymous poster, took a <laughs> shot at us about right. Manshack. Yeah. Well, Manshack is doing Bozier. Manshack's doing plain dealing. Uh, Aaron Brockovich. I, I mean, I don't know. Where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So speaking of water, shall we go ahead and queue up or, or go ahead and get ready to roll cut number 10, which has to do with plain dealing and not necessarily drinking water, but what's going down the drains that eventually ends up in the water table? Yeah, I think we need to roll that. I mean, somebody sent it to us and uh, it's going on in plain dealing. So let's roll with it. All right, here we go. Yeah, let me get us unmuted. So, all right, go ahead and and do kind of describe. You know, the video's a little fuzzy. It did come in. It's probably shot on a on a cell phone or something like that. But kind of describe for everybody what this is about, as far as we know. Well, so what we are told is that this is a video of waste cooking oil being uh, uh, disregarded out of a drain, out of the back of a business, into the sewer system in Bossier. And it's just allowed to run on the ground, into the sidewalk, into the ditch there. Well, and I, you, I, let me correct you a little bit. You mean plain dealing, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Plain okay. dealing. Yeah, and so. and uh, you know what we're told is is that's coming from a business there in town that was very uh, politically active, as I understand it, uh, Giles Snack Shop. Hmm. So I know that that's not how you disregard waste cooking oil, or from you know at least from a restaurant anyway. But for some reason, it it seems to be a uh, okay thing in plain dealing. How is that? And incidentally, from what I'm told, the the Giles Snack Shop was a big supporter of the former mayor that resigned, Tammy Murray, and the town marshal, Ronnie Murray. Um, I'm well, wondering why why there's no health department report i'm wondering why that hasn't been corrected uh, i mean they say that the, the whoever sent us this video says that there's more video of that historically um i don't know what do you think well i mean you know maybe in defense of ronnie he's the town marshal and the police chief is that really the purview of the town marshal and the police chief i mean I would guess that it might be violating some uh, municipal code in plain dealing. I really, you know, I don't know. I hadn't looked it up, but like if that were going on in Bossier, who would you call to report that to? Oh, I would think the health inspectors. I would right. think anybody in Bossier City would, would shut that down. I mean, I didn't know that a law enforcement officer had limitations on what parts of the law they could enforce. Well, oh, I, I agree, and some of them sometimes enforce parts of the law that aren't even parts of the law, but I, my point is, that is, is Ronnie up there, the police chief slash town marshal or whatever, uh, you know, is his law enforcement job, I guess if it is violating municipal code, you know, dumping the, the grease in the uh, drain there, then I guess it does fall under his purview, and then he would have to speak to the business owner, reach out to the state health department. I don't know. Well, you would think that that would be something that he or other people would notice and or even maybe take action on. But I mean, I, I makes me wonder, I mean, it's, what is the crime statistics in plain dealing? What <laughs> makes me wonder, is he so my T on my keyboard? Are, <laughs> are <laughs> things so busy? in plain dealing that maybe we don't have time to work to try to keep the town clean. Well, since you mentioned it, um, I'm going to take us in this little direction for a second. Didn't you get some information on some crime statistics from plain dealing or, or some little nugget of information? Or lack thereof? <laughs> I, I, I was trying to be nice there too, see. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did, but I think we're going to hang on to that because we've got a little bit more digging to do, but all I can tell you is, is that if you want information from the town on crime in Plain Dealing, the town marshal of Plain Dealing, he doesn't know. Really? Now I, I now I know that's hard to believe. I mean, who has a police chief or town marshal or a a head law enforcement person that doesn't know what their crime statistics are or doesn't know? I mean, how is that possible? How 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 do you lead a law enforcement agency and you don't know where you need to apply your resources? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does to me. But then again. Again, based on our own observations of being at a meeting, what was it, a month ago, last month, two months ago, whatever, um, nothing up there surprises me. And, and you're right, you know, because uh, if I remember correctly, for like the FBI crime stats, which is what most, you know, government entities and all that use to project things and all that, the local law enforcement has to submit those numbers to the FBI. And so, how is the FBI and the rest of the country going to know what's really going on in plain dealing? Well, plain dealing is either the safest place in the United States or it is the most dangerous place in the United <laughs> States. It has to be one or the other. 
And I'm pretty confident that we'll cover that on a future show in the very near future. But I, I would also point out that our source that, that shared this information, you know, about the, the cooking oil being, you know, discarded in the sewer system of plain dealing. Um, they also talk about that the, the same individuals own other businesses. And in fact, one business has a collapsed roof and literally has a tree growing through it, a tree growing through the middle of it. I ain't seen it. They didn't send us a picture of it. Maybe they will, whoever it is. Um, but that's what they said in, in you know, their, their notes, that it's, it has a collapsed roof with a tree growing through it. Wow. And I remember the council meeting you and I were at, there was some discussion about uh, doing something about blighted properties in the city or, right. or how to take action or to do something about it. I mean, I, I get it. People want to clean up their community and they want to make things look good. But if they can't count on their elected officials to see to that those things are done, who do they turn to? Yeah, that that conversation. And again, we've got the full video posted there. And um, but that conversation about the blighted properties and all that got a little heated there for a few minutes, um, you know, because and I think one of the one of the folks up there in Plain Dealing mentioned it, the, the old saying, you know, one one person's treasure or junk is another person's treasure. And how are they going to enforce that? And, you know, the, I think the lawyer there got out some of the, the codes and they were looking at them. But anyway, the point is that it got pretty heated, but you're right. If, if nobody's enforcing it, then why even have the laws? And I mean, it, it just goes downhill from there. I would guess, I don't know this, but I would guess that um, like a lot of small towns, the police chief and the police officers and all that there are more interested in writing speeding tickets with a major highway, you know, or, or losing a road coming through there necessarily than they are whether somebody's dumping grease. I know Ooh. I'm going to get a speeding ticket the next time I go through plane dealing. Ronnie, I drive a white GMC. I'll just I, pull right on over when oh, I see you. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're, we're putting the cart before the horse here. I don't know that we can confirm that would happen either. <laughs> in fact, I think your odds are safer in plane dealing than they are in Bozier City. But we'll talk about that in a future show. Oh, <laughs> hmm, interesting. Uh, but, let's see. Uh, so we got a comment from Terry Adams says if that was Giles restaurant and plain dealing, the daughter used to be on the council. She should know better. Oh, well that's, that's what we were told. Uh, see Giles snack shop. Um, I don't know if there's another Giles restaurant, but it was called Giles snack shop. Hmm, let's throw another comment or two. I got to get us a better screen for comments here, but, um, Gary Roberts says the truth about plain dealing police department is they are too busy turning a blind eye. Gary, we have heard that from a lot of people sharing information with us. Um, and I go back to the, where there's smoke, there's fire. But again, we don't have any definitive proof, just a lot of hearsay with some evidence like the video that was sent to us. So if anybody out there has hard evidence or things that we can dig into you know, with reports and different things like that, let us know. Yes, sir. Well, moving back to state politics, do we want to cover the fee increases for hunting licenses a little bit? Yeah, we do. And yeah. um, I just want to mention it real quick. I don't want to spend much time on it because we're already at about 43 minutes. Um, and, and we could probably stay on this topic for a while. So in case everybody is not aware yet, um, the wildlife and fisheries is, uh, there's a bill that was going through the house today, I think for floor debate, uh, to increase the fees that the LDWF, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries charges. And you know, honestly, Duke, like we talked about earlier, I'm, I'm kind of torn between this because, you know, I fish a lot. I, I do hunt as well. Um, I think you hunt more than you do fish. And so we both have some pretty good perspective on this, but let me pull up. I think I've got it on the Louisiana white side so people don't get confused. Um, yeah, now, now Rex, just before we jump, just, you know, 
completely underwater on this thing. Um, I will tell you that I did talk to Rod Haydell this afternoon on the way home. Mm -hmm. And he did say that, you know, he would love to come on the show and, and talk about this a little, he couldn't tonight, but right. here in the near future. And, uh, Rod Haydell, a lot of, you know, Haydell's game calls his father, you know, Eli Haydell, a, a heralded, uh, duck hunting family and uh, duck call maker. I mean, I, I've, I've been friends with them a long time. They've been, you know, outspoken supporters of Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl for years and years and years. They're, they're about conservation. And so, but we can talk about it a little bit, but let's not go all the way. All right. Well, I just want to share some of the some of the cost increases here. And I, I'm just going to keep a, for now, keep a neutral position on it and so as you can see the uh, basic fishing license is going from 950 a year up to $17 a year and that's about a 78 79% increase now one thing that they're doing if you kind of look at this sheet is and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong but I think they're wrapping all of this into one license and so you know, the theory is you're getting more bang for your buck. Now, the truth is I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go run any slat traps and most likely I'm not going to go run any crab traps for anything. So I'm not really worried about that, but that is part of their justification. Uh, you can see the saltwater fishing license is increasing some, uh, basic hunting is going up, um, uh, about 25 or so percent. Um, instead of resident big game, it's now resident deer. All right, and then of course you've got your waterfowl. That's a pretty uh, drastic increase there. I'm, I'm sure you'll have a little commentary on that. <laughs> a, a dastardly increase. <laughs> yes, they're sticking it to you, waterfowl guys. Um, and now you get well, a resident turkey license as well. Go ahead, Duke. Well, and there's something too that that uh, that that duck stamp dollar thing there or whatever. You know. A lot of that money isn't even spent in Louisiana. A lot of it goes out of state. Yeah, and, and we had talked off camera about my situation on that. So I'm gonna again, I'm gonna stay relatively neutral on it for tonight, and I'll save my soapbox for another episode. But I want to show you one thing here is that the lifetime resident combo is going from 500 to a thousand bucks. And a lot of folks have been upset and commenting to me on some of my outdoor news posts I've shared and all that from some of my other uh, Facebook pages. Uh, they're kind of upset about the disabled or special needs going from $0 to $5. Um, resident youth lifetime is increasing, not quite doubling, but going up about two thirds and the senior lifetime for residents uh, basically doubling. And then you get into your uh, non-resident costs and all that. So I'm not going to spend a, a huge amount of time on that. I just wanted to let everybody know this was supposed to be uh, on the House floor for debate today. And, um, you know, they're, they're trying to move forward for this. Wildland Fisheries got to have some money. They've got some problems. They, they don't get money from the legislature. So, again, I'm kind of 50-50 on it right now. Yeah, yeah, me as well too. We we we're gonna need to kind of talk about it or whatever. I just uh, I, I I'm indifferent. One of the things that uh, I'm more interested in is the non-resident rates. And yes. did we see comparable rate increases to non-resident hunting and fishing in, in the state? I would know a short cursory glance at one item in particular. What because historically I've went out of state hunting in a lot of states and i've noticed where other states charge certain amounts we we didn't even make a change we didn't even increase That's to comparable true. to other states so uh anyway we'll have a lot to debate on that in the future sounds like a plan now speaking of debates i'm gonna switch this back to bozier watch magically all right uh speaking of debates we've got a little bit of debate going on in the chat I don't know if you've, you've been watching the comments at all. I have not. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, but they're debating on crime and plain dealing right now. So, um, you know, plain dealing folks, uh, y'all need to chime in on this a little more. We're talking about Ronnie didn't stop a guy speeding up and down a street on a four-wheeler, but uh, 
And now we've got mentions, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's going nuts again. So it looks like we need to, the, the segment on plane dealing and its crime will probably be an entire show coming up. Or lack thereof yeah, I, of crime. Well, Rex, as you know, because I did share it with you, we have gotten some information, official information back on plane dealing as it relates to their law enforcement activities, but we're not quite there yet to share that out there. We've got a few unanswered questions that we're going to have to follow up on before we really jump headfirst into that, right? Yes, that is true. And I want to, I got to, we'll close out a plane dealing with this. I got to put this comment up there. This is from Lulu Perry. And she's talking to Kim in the comments section. She says, well, they were discussing the four-wheeler deal or whatever. Anyway, she says, well, call the police, Kim. Report the speedsters so you guys can have more patrol in your area. And just saying, plane dealing is the safest place you can live, besides the corruption in the council of plane dealing. So besides corruption, it's not a bad place. Thanks for the comment, both Kim and Lulu. I feel so sorry for the folks in Plain Dealing. I hope we get that straightened out up there. I hope Ronnie Griggs is getting it in shape. I know he is. I know he's trying. Um, but I hope he, I really hope he does. Yeah, we need to look and see when the next meeting is and see if we can, uh, see if we can attend the next meeting and kind of get a update for ourselves. All right, Duke. What else do we need to talk about this evening? Well... I am going to, let me see here if I can, uh, share my screen with you. I want to play a video. I want to play a video for you. Okay. Uh, I think it should go now. Okay. This is, uh, uh, make sure I get it right. Citizens for a new Louisiana. Uh, This is off of their yeah, this is off their page. Credit goes to them. But uh, watch this video. Our uh, problem may be audio. We can barely hear that. Do we need to have the audio? If so, um, is that link in the notes? Okay, so we're having problems with the audio? Yes. Okay, yeah, we need the audio because if we don't have the audio, okay. it is not, it is worthless. All right, is that Maybe the you link? can pull it up on your end. Yeah, is that the link that you have right there uh, underneath the wildlife and fisheries cuts? Hold on, folks. Yeah, yeah, in the notes, don't, there we go. Okay, let me, uh, how did I, how did I lose you again? Hmm. Oh, well, you just have to stay that way for a second. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> let me, uh, let me shift us over here and let me get this posted in here and we'll roll some video, folks, I think. Let's see. Okay, here we go. So give me a second here. You know what's interesting? Uh, here we go. Unmute that. Okay, here we go. All right, folks, bear with us just a second. Here we go. Let's play it. Ah, no sound on yours either. I can't hear it. Um. Okay, uh, we may have an issue because I think I have system audio uh, disallowed. Hold on, let's see. Broadcast, no. Um, it should, uh, okay, it, we should have audio. All right, so just tell us, what did she say? What? What? What's this about? Well, so this was in uh, education committee and representative, Hilferty here, she went on CNN and basically was more or less saying that Representative Garofalo was uh, 
basically saying that slavery was good. Oh, um, and that's not good. If <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he right. he he was he was just you really have to have the audio to, Hold on. to hear this. I, I think I got it now. Bear with me, folks. Technical okay. difficulty for just a second, but I think this will get it right here. All right. But you know, I think what what's unfortunate to me is people on Tuesday looked at their computer, looked at their phone, looked at their screen, and saw that um, a Louisiana lawmaker was talking about the good in slavery. And um, as a Louisiana resident, that's um, that's very sad to me. But what is a larger course of academic instruction? If you're teaching, if you're having a discussion on whatever the case may be on slavery, then you can talk about everything dealing with slavery the good the bad the ugly the there's whole. there's no good to slavery though well then whatever whatever the case may be you're right you're right I, I didn't mean to imply that uh, and and that i don't believe that and i i know that that's the case but i'm using that good bad and ugly to as a generic way of saying that you can teach any factually factually based Anything, regardless. None, none of us were around when slavery occurred. Hmm. Okay. So, do, do you think she took things out of context a little bit? Oh, yeah, but, you know, they do that all the time. Wasn't that CNN or whatever? I mean, they're like the masters of that. I know, but if I recall correctly, Representative Hilferty is a Republican, I think. And Republicans aren't the ones that are always accusing everybody of racism, 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 racism everywhere. And, and oh, by the way, what do you think? Do you think that after she went on CNN, do you think the Republicans stood up for Representative Garofalo? Uh, probably not. And I'm, I'm kind of scrolling back through it real quick. And honestly, I didn't realize she was the one doing the interview. I, I apologize for that. So, yeah, she should have put it in context correctly. Wow. That's right. She didn't. She used the opportunity, in my opinion, to try to promote herself to a liberal audience in trying to say, there was racism openly, intentionally. But if you look at the man's comments, it couldn't be further the truth. He was just he was just talking. He didn't he didn't obviously mean anything by that. But you would think probably, you know, I mean, other folks, maybe the the uh, Republican caucus, maybe the Speaker of the House, you know, maybe they would all kind of be understanding, right? That's what you would think. They would look at all the comments and take it in consideration. And uh, wouldn't you think? No, actually, I wouldn't do. And, and let me and well, let me explain why, because you know how cynical I usually am. Um, let me just put this nicely in a Hawaiian way. They don't have kahunas, and so they know if they go anywhere near that interview even though it was completely twisted in the context of it or the full context was not shown in the cnn interview they know that if they say anything about that then they'll be labeled as a racist and it just goes on and on forever and i'm not defending them but they just don't have the spines to stand up for that unfortunately i'm not saying all all of our republican congress critters but I'm just telling you there's a lot of them on both sides well, of the aisle that have zero spines. I agree totally. And but let me go on and just take it all the way. You know, uh, from what I understand, the Speaker of the House or Sheck Snyder or whatever who appoints people to chairmanships and stuff, apparently Garofalo had a chairmanship. Well, they removed him today is what I understand. Uh, and, and that's, ex well. How weak. Yeah. How weak is that? How weak is that? So if you're watching on you know, Bozier Watch from up here and you're a Republican, know that you have a weak bunch of Republicans down there in the legislature that they would rather, you know, bend and bow down to a false accusation than stand up for the truth. Remember what I said earlier about politicians and statesmen? There is a difference. And 
we've got a problem. We got politicians. We don't have statesmen. And I think that's an appropriate place to close out this show <laughs> because you are a hundred percent correct. <laughs> Drop the mic. Drop the mic. <laughs> Good night, Rex. And I, I'm going to say this and the, uh, nicest of context that we could say i think the cockroach of the week and what which folks know that that's not a negative connotation with our show that is actually a positive thing would go to uh buddy romer uh yes sir i would agree with you there and uh i think you're absolutely correct it is uh it is a title that we give to people most of the time as a badge of honor and in this case that is absolutely true. Let me change our graphic. And so, buddy, we wish you well and Godspeed up in heaven. See you all next time.